Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast. I'm joined by John. I'm joined by Claire. Let's get into it. Claire, you were there on Saturday. It's nearly over, at least. <laughs> yeah, it does very much feel like that. You just kind of, if it was an animal, you'd probably be thinking about putting it down by now, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I found Saturday, I don't really know what either team were particularly trying to do. Sheffield United were not great either. And if they're second, then that's an indictment on the level of quality in the championship, I think. But the whole game, the weather didn't help. It was it very much reflected what was going on on the pitch and the players skidding around all over the place. Everyone just seemed a bit out of control. The only good thing was like there was a little bit of needle going on on the pitch. Um, yeah. And Jai certainly liked getting stuck into people. The best bit was when someone tried to tip Max Aarons over the advertising hoardings. Yes. I mean, that was fun. Yeah, I, mean, I, I thought that the... I actually <laughs> thought Max, that the... But... I thought the atmosphere was uh, yeah. really good in places, and like both, you know, naturally they. I didn't have this down to talk about early on, but I do think it's worth mentioning that that the drum has had a real impact on the away fans' level of um, control of the atmosphere. Um, I, I and, was yeah, anti-drum. I think a, a few podcasts back, a long time ago, I said mm, not sure, not sure, but very much now in favour of drum. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, you, you, you're a lot closer location-wise to drum than me. Get, get, give your drum insight. So I think the drum has done exactly what I thought it would do all along, and that is almost unify like three or four pockets of people that were trying to sing in the Barclay Lower and the Snake Pit. So it's like, okay, here's a call to arms. We're all going to sing in time because I'm going to drum for you. And that's what it needed because there are look, there's lots of people who are legacy season ticket holders who perhaps aren't as vocal as they used to be, but don't want to move away from the atmosphere. That's a whole podcast in itself about, you know, kind of should we be looking to culturally shift the the Barclay and the Snake Pit? I think we probably should. But that that requires, you know, some difficult conversations that maybe the club need to facilitate. But the drum like I say, is that call to arms, is that initial bang, right, let's get, get behind the boys, when maybe there's a lull in play, you know, it's, it's we traditionally we've struggled as a fan base. I thought it was interesting on Saturday that, so I didn't sit in the Barclay Lower on Saturday, I took the, to the two kids um, and we, unfortunately, the only three seats together were in the upper Joma corner, you know, kind of stand, wherever it is, which is kind of above the ticket office. And I observed the same as you that the drum gave us the control of the atmosphere and actually Sheffield United like let's be frank they usually come away from home and they're a really vocal fan base that are up for it they just weren't and they're second in the league until they scored they could barely be heard it's probably a bit of nerves on their part as well you know they're second they've been stuttering a bit they can see Middlesbrough coming yeah and that's you know they were probably Middlesbrough conceded didn't they they went one more behind and and that's when they started started singing about about the fact they were going to go up Neil (laughs) Warnock yeah and look they will go up now I think on on the the basis of that display I didn't think they were any great shakes but they are a team who controlled a game well and just had a lot more class than us and actually look had a midfield and I think Saturday was the first time that I looked at it and and looked at Wagner and was like, his system really wasn't fit for purpose for that game. It It was a great big gaping hole in the middle of the park. And that's been apparent at quite, you know, maybe over the last four games where Kenny's dropped in between the centre-backs or maybe dropped into a full-back position to receive the ball. 
And then it's almost like, well, all right, Gabby Sarah's our best player, so he's now going to be able to beat the three or four bodies that are around him. And then sometimes people are having a go at him when he takes a risk and loses the ball. I mean, it's like he's doing what he can, and he's an incredibly talented player. But no one, you know, kind of even, you know, the likes of... Messi or Mbappe aren't, aren't going to be able to just beat four or five players and, and then get us, you know, kind of through the third. So the problem we had on, on Saturday was he, he is our best player at the moment in terms of he's our, our best at creative outlet. He's the best at linking back to front. Um, and he touched the ball six times in the first half an hour. So Did you actually count that. Yeah, because because I realised I realised when he gave the he gave the ball away twice in 10 minutes because he had one touch and he basically had to do a first time pass both times mm. he received the ball. Um and we, and so we, we sort of noticed how little he touched the ball, um, and then yeah, we effectively then like, well, let's just see how many times. Oh no, he really isn't getting the ball. Like he is not part of the game plan, or rather, he's not part of a game plan that works. So your point of Wagner's plan not working, that's the second or third time I've I've seen Sarah be a complete passenger in the game. Now, whether that is shape, whether that's inability, I mean, I don't think it's a lack of bravery to want to get on the ball because yeah. he is incredibly like I say, taking things first time, willing to knock a ball around the corner. And he does, you know, I, I do think that he didn't necessarily come out of Saturday as one of the worst performers, but in terms of the impact on the game, he did from the fact that he was hardly involved. Um, it's, you know, going back to, so going back to where we started off, which was kind of Saturday in, in Sheffield United. And, you know, it was another one of those um, disappointing performances from a application creativity point of view. I mean, when, when the Barclays singing, we've had a shot in, in celebration after, what, 75 minutes, but when that, what what kind of tamely passed for a shot on target happened, that tells you all you need to know about the game. It was just so, so disappointing to not be able to raise your, your kind of levels, especially against the Sheffield United team, who I completely agree with you, does not, I mean, it's a, it's a shocking indictment on the league if they are second. I but mean, it's they, a shocking they, indictment on the league that we're seventh. Well, but let's yeah, be honest. adrift still. I mean, but that, but that, but that's the thing. You think it's another example of a team that were there for the taking. If only we could have got out of third gear. Um, well, or, I don't think we've got a third gear, and I think there's a really no, good yeah. reason for that. Now is that we haven't got any kind of attacking force. We haven't got any kind of attacking I mean, who would creativity. Have that at that O'Neill and and. Dowell, who have been bit part players for Norwich their whole time here, are now yeah. the ones that we desperately need to make this work. Mm. They were clearly like the key to how Wagner wants to play. We don't have replacements for them, really. Putting Ida on the wing is not working. Like we've got three strikers on the pitch, but only one of them's playing as a striker. When we've got Gibbs on the bench to fill that gap in the middle, I just, I don't know. I mean, I'm no tactician, but. To me, it's fairly obvious that we need somebody else in the middle to let Sarah play his game a little bit more rather than have to do a lot of defensive work and or none. And then there's just a great big gaping hole in front of the defence and then the defence get blamed for being rubbish, which I don't think they really are. They've just got no protection in front of them whatsoever at the moment. And we've got no creative players to to get the ball to Timu or or to get anywhere near the goal. Like our first serious shot on target was in the ninety second minute or something. Marquinhos, yeah. that's ridiculous. Late, that was it. I thought it was seventy odd. I was readying the girls. I was like, uh, come on, like get near the exit. So as soon as the whistle goes, like we can just go. Like because it was just it was one of those games. That I was just like, oh, should we leave early? And I never think that. Like and I never actually do it. But it's like, shall we just go? Because nothing's going to happen. Like it was just so obvious. And and. Uh, 
that kind of feeds into the lack of plan B and the lack of creativity that if we're, if we're seriously taking off like Pookie when we need a goal, I mean, all right, he didn't have a great game. Neither did, you know, kind of all three of the strikers that are on the pitch, but Pookie's the most likely to snaffle up a chance or create himself a half chance or, you know, whatever it might be. Not at the moment he isn't. Well, no, I think he is. I genuinely think he is. Like, even if he has to do it on his own. Saturday you know, with Paul. I, I think I think he's I think he is severely out of form and out of confidence. He is taking extra touches, so he's been starved of um, service, and he is himself ruining the chances that he does get because he but I is think he taking extra do touches. Better than a Christos Scholis or a Liam Gibbs that you know kind of if, if it's well, like well, yeah. well they're the players that we're bringing on because we want to change a game like no disrespect to those lads they're both young players making their way in the game but Gibbs is not for me an, an attacking creative outlet and no. Jolis is nowhere near the finished product at this stage and looks like he needs a hell of a lot of coaching as does Marquinhos and and that just strikes me as a massive failure in terms of our ability to build a squad this season. I, I had to look back. I genuinely didn't know. I had to look back at the start of the season because I was like, who the hell were we playing in the, in like the kind of wide roles at the start of the season? And it was, we started with Rashica. There was Campwell, Sinani, Sargent was playing out there. Sinani played the first three, didn't he? And I'm like, we're a world away from, from what we were. And all right, look, it was pretty dismal at that point, but at least we were winning a few games and you know kind of we were up there because we had felt like we had options and it also felt like we had options at the end of January when it was like John Rowe's going to come back soon Jolis has come back from from his loan Marquinhos has been brought in but neither of those he doesn't players look like an Arsenal back. player does he my goodness no, he, he is I think they, standard I think they both look like they've got well both Jolis and Marquinhos I think look like they've got technical ability but they've just they're just young and raw and and you know need to learn how to playing in a setup and I don't think Wagner's got the time has he this season it's almost it's not just the like, right environment for him to come in no. given the, the injuries that we've got to the players that apparently are key to the way we wanted to play I don't think he can then step in and be what we need him to be um and he was all right on Saturday um I thought uh, nobody was particularly good but I didn't think he was awful but yeah he's definitely not sort of shining in any way and I don't think Arsenal are getting much out of it either really but Mm. No, I mean, other than minutes and, and maybe not having frustration of being, you know, not not even making a bench. So, so having that kind of kind of psychological side of things is the only thing you can maybe say. So let's, you know, Wagner's now had a a really solid chunk of season. I was interested in doing a report card from from your point of view. You know, from from a in terms of there's absolutely nothing I would change. I think he's done a phenomenal job. Um, through to an ungraded. Um, give me, give me your your rating, please, Claire. It's very difficult because at times it looks like an A. There have been games when you think, "Wow, okay, this is amazing," and then there have definitely been games where it's very much more of a U. Well, no, maybe not a U. That's harsh. I think he definitely passes, but could do a lot better. But there is potential. Needs to work hard. Please see me. Yeah. <laughs> Knuckle down and you might get somewhere. Okay. What? So you, you, I'm, I'm going to push you be? for a five. What, what would you mean? Maybe C? C then? minus. C minus. Okay. And what about you, Puntylicious? That's exactly what I was going to say, actually. C minus. Because I feel way more confident in him in, term, in terms of like an actual coach and a leader of men than the previous 
uh, head coach. But at the same time, we haven't really got the personnel available right now. You know, Dowlin Hernandez, we've just mentioned, and that is a a massive issue for him, that, that they were his chief creators and, and they're not going to be back till end of this month, I think, by the sounds of it. Um, so it's almost like the jury's still very much out. It, we look like we have a clearer sense of purpose. We look like the players are slightly more motivated, but it's only ever so slightly. Like it's not, there hasn't been a massive uptick once we've had the new manager bounce or you know whatever you want to call that there hasn't been a massive uptick in in performance it's just been okay you know and I said to my brother as we were walking home from the match I feel confident that had Wagner been manager for the entirety of the season that we we'd be in and around the playoffs but I don't know whether that's because this division is just so poor that you know any coach worth their salt would have easily been able to get us in the top six with, with the situation that that we had in front of us. And we just wasted so much time. But yeah, C minus. Yeah, I, mean, I, th- I think with, we, we talked about this at the time of the appointment, that it would be um, to miss the playoffs is a, is, is a shocking indictment on our decision-making and recruitment, the time we've taken to change manager, um, I don't think he needed a full season to to get Norwich in the playoffs. So I, I do think if he, I think if he'd have come late November time, then that would have been enough um, because he could have there could have been more prep going into January. Like you know, yep. there, there just wasn't enough, enough time and plans. He could have got some of his own players in as well, where he's got yeah, nothing even, at the even one player, like yeah. maybe one one more of the type of winger that you know, because yeah. maybe Marquinhos is as close as they could get to the type of winger he wanted. But naturally, by the time that he was appointed and by the time they'd started those conversations, naturally they're going to be very late. Um, the, the the one thing I'd say is that um, the, the and this remind this reminds me in a way of my report card on Farker's first season, and obviously he has not had a full first season. I, the, the the thing I really haven't seen from him is, or or what I'm worried about is an inflexibility in this is this this is the way that I want us to play. This is the way they want us to set up. And I know he hasn't had a full squad to pick from, and this hasn't been his full squad. But he has had lots of different players available throughout the last few games. It's not like he's only had four or five games. You know, we're comfortably into double figures. I don't know if he is continually trying to implement a system that simply we don't have the players to play. And so that that would be the element where I couldn't possibly go over a, a C um, minus. And I was I was thinking D, mainly because of how bad some of the teams that have beaten us this season have been. And I and I just I just don't. I personally think there is enough talent in that squad in performances we have seen. In performances we have seen, individually performances we have seen this season, I have seen Ida be an absolute handful, run his socks off and be a real presence up front. I have seen Sergeant Harry, um, you know, relentlessly. I've seen Pookie finish a couple of beautiful goals. I've seen Sarah produce unbelievable man-of-the-match performances. I've seen Kenny McLean spraying passes about... I've seen Max Aarons be progressive and really, really attack and run forwards. I thought thought Dimi played, you know, really quite well. Like, I think he's having quite a good run of form, although he yeah, seems to agreed. contractually have to keep coming off to Sam McCallum. Um, that seems to happen where, however he plays. Um, so I and, and I think we've got a really solid goalie. So but the mitigation around all that, mate, is that I think anyway is that when Dale and Hernandez were part of the squad, and we mentioned it like a couple of pods ago, we were tracking it to get two points per game. 
which yeah. is title form you know kind of we were tra- after whatever it was you know kind of, it might only have been six or seven games but we had had that purple patch and i would have just loved to have seen you know kind of if if those two were available for 90 percent of the games that wagner took charge of for this season i think we'd have made the playoffs look i think we'd have got beaten in the playoffs um you know kind of quite comfortably but I, you know it would have been way more of a success i mean what we can expect now do you think they want it though? I don't know. Like the fans, do they want it? We don't really. Want... <laughs> I've been back in Norfolk four days. I've got my accent. Back. <laughs> um, I just the fans. Do... I don't think we really want want to go up now. We're like, oh god, you know, we we didn't manage to stay up the last two times when we absolutely, you know, crashed the prim- um, the the championship. Um, we liked our squad. We liked our squad. We liked how we played. <laughs> yeah. um, and now we're like, you know, stalling. And sometimes it's all right. And sometimes it's not we're like, do we, we don't want to go up with this. Like, it would be no. absolutely awful. So the fans aren't really kind of behind the team. And I don't think the players particularly want it. Well, so the one, the one thing I said to the one thing I said in reflection on Saturday, and um, I think is the, the, the number one difference between squads on paper I really don't think there's much between us and Sheffield United um and at the start of the season you, you probably would have slightly leaned towards our squad in terms of on paper ability and what they've done in the game already etc um but they they really did look like they knew how to go from back to front and the runs that they that the players off the ball were making when attacking seemed to be so much more templated and so much more purposeful. And I, and we, we, you know, our criticism always of Smith ball was how meandering and how, how sort of slow logical, but yeah, it was slow, but it was almost slow because no one ever seemed to have any kind of confidence or predictability about where their colleagues would be. It'd be like, Oh, He's available. I'll give it to him. Oh, he's probably available. Oh, yeah. No, there's a yellow shirt there. That'll do. And I'm like, obviously, I know they were trying to in, 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 imprint some kind of replicate, replicable way of getting the ball forward. But we we saw it didn't it didn't happen. Even in the winning run, we didn't win the game. We didn't score the same goal twice. You know, we didn't. You know, so many times Puki scored the same type of goal under Farker because we knew how to try and yeah. get him slipped in on that back shoulder, etc. And I think with Wagner, there is an element that. We still and yeah, okay, he's changed personnel, but that's been forced upon him. That's where I am a bit lower on the grade. Just I'd say wouldn't I'd say a D because I don't. I I would have thought by now he has had enough time with mostly the same eleven, mostly to be able to find a way of progressing the ball regularly, um, routinely in this in a similar fashion, and to get that directness and to get that purpose and get those players running in that purposeful manner, which you saw Sheffield United seemed like, like they really believed in what each other was going to do. And, and our, we still look like we're in pre-season. Like we I still, don't think we have, we I have don't think had, had the, yeah, we've had the games where we have, have looked like we're very capable of doing that. Mm. The first few games where we scored four goals, four goals. We, you know, the game against Millwall, which was only what four or five games ago, we're perfectly capable of it with the right personnel on the pitch. And I think that that is clearly key now. Um, so he's, if he has the right people on the on the field, then we can very definitely do that. And that's why I said C minus because I think he's being hindered quite a little bit by those key injuries at the moment but he he should also be able to find a way around that to play 
better than what we have seen in the last few games as well, which he is not doing. So, yeah. Well, it's fit, it's fit, so fifth or sixth are now what we're playing for. So Luton, with that win at the weekend, are you know now at 10 points away. And it, it now looks like, realistically, unless you know Sheffield United, especially with a game in hand now, six points, they are ahead of Middlesbrough with a game in hand. It's going to take quite quite a stumble now for them not to. So it looks like it's, you know, we're playing for the right to be hosted by Middlesbrough or hosted by Luton, um, and and you know it, it is still probably two of six or seven teams that that can take those fifth and sixth. So Millwall and Blackburn, um, both got kind of got two losses in their last five. Um, you know, Millwall only won two of the last five. We are four points behind them with better goal difference with seven games left. It is. You know, it is very much Does still that on. Does not terrify you though that we I, could I can't, do that? I, I think I think Middlesbrough or Luton would annihilate us in in the playoffs, and you almost feel like under Wagner's Norwich City, the Jekyll and Hyde nature of it, you almost feel like we could probably beat either of those teams if we had one of the good Wagner performances. Yeah. And if we happened to be the first leg, we might just scrape through it because we might just be able to get away with losing 2-0 in the second leg because we were already three goals up kind of thing. Whereas we could easily go, we could easily have Middlesbrough come and put four past us and then we're going to the Riverside, even put our best performance on and we, we, you know, we've got no chance. So I, I don't personally, I said ages ago, I would much rather finish ninth than losing the playoffs. <laughs> I just really would. We can start looking forward to, to next season sooner. And I, and I still think that will be the end, but I, I maintain that there was enough of, there was enough talent in this squad to get promoted this season. And I don't think Wagner has done as good a job of routinely and in a replicatable way making those 20 minutes here, 30 minutes there, nearly a whole game against Millwall, etc. He hasn't he hasn't hit upon something because we would have seen it more often than we've seen well, it. I just simply think you don't have the or he doesn't have the personnel available at his disposal right now to come up with you know that that particular formula or whatever he's trying to stumble upon because who who was there you know kind of short of Gabby Sarah who was going to be able to create a chance for Pookie or Sergeant or Eda or who you know whoever there wasn't you know our, our best hope was a shot from range when we took 92 minutes to get one of those on target like it's I just I don't know that we haven't had a chief creator since Dell has come out of the side and we haven't had a battering ram like Onel since, you know, kind of since he came out of the side. And they were the only two ways that we looked like we were going to score, it, it, be it, you know, kind of Dell, Sarah, Nunez, maybe kind of offering a decent ball or Sarah driving from deep and then maybe having a shot or Onel just getting his head down and just plundering it, you know, down the wing and, and just, just seeing what happened. Those are the ways in which Wagner set us up to to try and score goals and, like I say, short of Sarah, who is being asked to play a bit more of a withdrawn role, there really isn't anyone in that side that I see creating chances. I mean, people had started to make comparisons a few games ago that Josh Sargent was a bit like Marco Steeperman, you know, kind of esque, you know, in the, in the way in which he was playing. That's a nonsense. Like that lad looks so short of what he was pre World Cup. I, I we'll get onto it in a minute, but you know, I, I think we've got a real dilemma in terms of strikers. Well, let's start, let's I think start we've there. really mismanaged, you know, kind of in terms of the way in which we've gone about it with strikers over the last four seasons, I reckon. Yeah, well, well, let, well let's start there because one of the things we wanted to cover today was 
um, naturally attentions are turning to <laughs> this is the thing so many fan media podcasts would at this stage of the season with the points being as they are would be almost completely focused upon um you know the run in and but i i just can't help but just think there's no chance of this team <laughs> doing what they need to do to make up no. four points because they and and also i it sounds so odd and almost sort of privileged and um I don't know, and we get we get grief from it from other fan bases. I know in the championship, but I just think I don't I don't want to be in the playoffs with this lot. Like this lot just don't. No, you know, exactly. I, I, I want to be in the playoffs with a team that where they um, and, I, and I believe in. Yeah, and I, and I come back to the number of new songs this season. I think you can. You, there is a you could, clever people could draw a, a a graph which showed a positive correlation between the fun of following a football team, the success of a football team, the amount of love that fans have for a football team, and the number of new songs that have been created about individual players or a manager that season. And and you know you just it, it, we I, a playoff run is about momentum. You know we've seen it with so many teams that have come from a long way behind. So often the team that seals their ticket last. Do, you know, actually goes all the way. It happens a lot in the championship. Momentum is huge. The way you finish the season is so important. And I just feel like we are backing in. Um, like if our reverse had three gears, we would be in the slowest of the three reverse <laughs> gears in terms of like how we would back into the playoffs. So moving towards th- starting to think about next season, because I, I almost just want it to be August so that we can <laughs> try to start again with a, a new set of plans to get in, players to get in love with. Start with that striking situation, then pun. Like, if you were to to, to prioritise it, is that where you think, if we were only to address one area, is is that where it would be? And what what do you? Is there anything that Sergeant Ida Pookie could show you in this last seven games that might make you think differently going into the summer? So, well, let's just forget Pookie because you know we're not going up and as much as I know we've got a question about this a bit later on in in the listener questions section he's not signing a new contract is he let's let's be really honest like I can't see any conceivable way that Timu is is looking at this and going this is something I want to be part of for the next 12 to 24 months because it's going to be a year or two if we offer him a new deal so I think we may as well just start talking in the terms of and it makes me really sad but he's not going to be here next season and we're going to have to learn to live without him and we've attempted to do that this season with limited success Sergeant, you know kind of towards the start of the campaign led the line admirably like in a 4-3-3 and looked dynamic enough and energetic enough but I think the point that I really wanted to make was I think we've mismanaged and he is now getting stick from the fan base but we have completely mismanaged Adam Eder's development like, let's just look at a comparator here. Should we say Carlton Morris, for example, a lad who, all right, was deemed maybe surplus to requirements at Norwich, but, you know, got enough loans and enough first team football and enough goals and assists and the rough and tumble of, you know, the championship and League One under his belt to be able to now prove what he is, which is a really capable championship striker. And he's, done, he's had a terrific season for Luton. Adam Eder, if we rewind four years when, you know, he's scoring, it might even be five years, I'd have to check, but when he scored a hat-trick against Preston in the FA Cup, when he started against Manchester United at Old Trafford, all right, Pookie was injured, but, you know, he was thrust into the limelight. This was a lad that with the world at his feet and a lad that needed 
alone or he needed regular football. He needed to be nurtured. And I think out of necessity, we have kept him in and around this squad and just not given him enough game time. And it's now make or break for the lad. You know, I personally, I still think he needs probably a lower end championship loan. He needs to play a load of football. He needs to score 10, 15 goals next season and he needs to get confidence but we've given him a five-year deal. We've given him an indicator that he's going to be a real big part of it moving forward. And he just, he just looks so short of it on Saturday. And you know the but way he's not in which playing he just, in his place, is he? No, but it, but even the basics like controlling and trapping a ball. I was like, hang on, he's he's shot at the moment. Like psychologically, I think he's shot. And and I feel there was lads sitting behind us who I think were from Dubai and had they didn't even know his name. They hadn't watched a, a game all season, and they were actively deriding him they were saying who's this number 11 you know kind of this guy is is woeful they were googling him and going oh transfermarket.com or whatever says he's worth two million and, and they were having a real giggle about it and i'm thinking this is supposed to be our next big hope for for number nine you know kind of that'd be weird if he was sent out on loan next season like that would seem really odd to me if he was suddenly starting but it should have happened it should have happened two years ago and the, the reason it didn't happen is because that, that we needed we actively needed backup for Pookie and Sargent or whoever else. But I don't know. Like I think I, I look at another player, Ballymumba, for example, who wasn't going to get enough game time this season, but might have been able to offer backup to Max and left-hand side as well. And we've gone and given him a season somewhere. And actually, all right, he's playing wing-back, so he might not come back as a, the cultured full-back that we want. But he's had a full season of football, and his confidence will be the absolutely. Yeah, in my, you know, his confidence is absolutely flying, and and I just this is where I, I, like I say, I think we've mismanaged that. I think we need look if Pookie's not going to be here next season. As much as it pains me to say it, let's just do you keep want him, him on here? the bench? Let's, let's do I, that. Do you? Of course, want I want him here. Of course, okay. I want him here. I want another. Like if someone said you can have another three years of Pookie, I don't think yeah, he massively yeah, relies on, on his pace. Okay, let me position one of my would you rather's in more more specific detail. Go on then. So, Claire, would you rather have Pookie for Pookie retires as a Norwich player by playing another two seasons, of which he will amass fourteen starts. 23 appearances over the next two seasons in whatever league we're in, scoring eight goals in that time. Does that get him to 100? No. no. I think it gets him quite near you and Roberts' 96 or, or 97. Or would you rather that he leaves at the end of the season with our last game, last home game of the season, we know that there's nothing to play for, so it can be a full, and we already get the announcement he's leaving beforehand, so we get to do a proper goodbye, we love you, Timu. And he then goes and has one more contract at a Europa League outfit and plays 45 games and scores 20 more goals and has a really great end of career, but not in Norwich and not in England. Uh, I would want the former because I would want the the to see him and for him to retire as a Norwich player and for him to be given the chance to get his 100 goals. I don't believe this is going to happen, by the way, but mm. I would, that's what I would choose. And that he goes goes with our, you know, best wishes at the end of his career. We give it, we still give him his last ever game um, and then that's it. We never have to see him play in another shirt because that would hurt no matter where. I, I have a feeling he might go back to Scandinavia if he does leave at the end of this season. I think that's probably what's going to happen. I think he wants to go somewhere near home. 
but I don't want to see him playing in another shirt and I don't want him to score 45 goals for another team. I want him okay. at Norwich, but I don't think that is what's going to happen. So, so my thought process on the would you rather was I love Timu so much that I almost think we are now holding him back from finishing with the career stats that he could have. I don't think that we have... Have we not given him the career stats that he's got? Yeah. There, there is that. Yeah, completely get that. However, to your point about mismanaging the striker situation, we have mucked up providing him with opportunities to score goals we need, so badly. We need him to stay and then to get someone in that can give him... The... Would you trust this team to... Would you trust the, the recruitment to do that? Like, yes. we used to be able to recruit for the championship, but I now think we, we seem I to think they're already in the building. as well. I think they are yeah. already in the building. If we shaped the way in which we played, you've got a Marcelino Nunez, you have Kieran Dow, you have Gabby Sarah, who are all perfectly he capable of... The starting 11. The, the, yeah, but... the, that guy is shot. He can't trap a ball. I think... If we, yeah, let's get. Feeling, come on, Claire. He looks an absolute shadow of the player we got in one. Yeah, yeah he's, but, he's but, injured but, now. Yeah. yeah, but he wasn't. He when he's he, you know, his most recent there's a player contributions. There. Oh, hundred percent. There's a player. Uh, like there. if he's given a proper preseason, this he'd already played quite a few games. Hadn't yeah, that, he, when that's he a hell of a shout as well. Yeah, you're right. But I think if we, if he's provided with a, you know a bit of a rest a full pre-season, proper acclimatisation to this league and, and this environment that he's in, he loves it here. Like, he is one of those ones that, you know, I think it was Edie that called him, like, one of our happy, lovely boys. He's but a happy he, boy, yeah. he, he is a happy, lovely boy, you know, and he is he is someone who the fans can get behind. And, you know, but and he's got moments of magic in his boots. There is no doubt about that. Yep. I think the issue for me is where do we play him? Because he's not quite a holding midfielder. He's probably a bit more of a number eight. Adam Brandon would come back on and tell us exactly where he should play. Um, we've tried him as, as a number 10. Actually, probably only five or six games ago, he scored two goals in the number 10 position. One of them was an absolute worldie. I think there is a player there. Set and there is Pookie potential the there. To be... He's the only person who's really set up Pookie in the way that Steve And this is what I mean. Like, in, you know, I, look, he's not the second coming of Emi Buendia as much as I would love him to be. But he is a player yeah. that, that he's has... He's a lot happier. Yeah, yeah, he is a lot happier. Yeah. <laughs> and will get sent off less. But yeah. he's got creative talent. And I, I think that's what we're so badly short of at, at Norwich at the moment. Um, so I think if we can get him and Dowell on another contract, we could feed Pookie. And we could feed Pookie for another two or three seasons. And if it was three seasons, look, he could probably become Norwich's greatest ever goal scorer. Because I think that's at 100 and. 32, something like that. Three seasons. It's not beyond the realms of possibility. Billy Sharp's playing and he's still 59 or however old he is. So. Do, you, do you think do you think Pookie would... Yes, I mean, I guess the, the, it's whether or not the, 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 the negotiations would have to go along the lines of we'll give you two more years of which one of them we expect you currently to be the starter and then it might be that in your second one it may well be that you are more of a you feature from the bench. Yeah, I no, we, look, we're not giving him a three-year contract, are we? I am, um, but that's just me, the old romantic. But the, okay, the reality yeah. of the situation is he is after one last payday, I think. Yeah, exactly. That's what and, his and agent I, is trying I, to drum into him. So a three-year deal provides point. that to him. I feel like we I feel like we mucked this season up and we should be in a position to give him, with our Premier League money that we should be getting from August, we should have been in a position with this squad to go back up and give him another Premier League payday. 
And, that, and that sounds it, very entitled, but I do kind of agree. No, with you. no, I yeah. think squad wise, we should we we had the ingredients. Yeah, yeah. I compared, get what you're saying. Compared to Luton, Millwall, Black, Blackburn, the teams that are currently occupying the positions we should at least be in. You know, we we set off. You know, if this was like a you know um, a board game, we set off several squares ahead of them in terms of you know of resources, the assets that we should have been able to utilize. So. That that is kind of where I'm getting at with that. Would you rather of? I almost love Pookie so much that I want the best for him, and I feel like we could be an absolute car crash again next year. And I would. What I don't want is for his Norwich career to peter out, and for him to have two seasons like what he's just had, where you just look at him, and you think, God, you don't look like you think you're going to score. And he's that's does, very he, unselfish does, of you, like does, which as a does, football fan. Is amazing. He does the, well the done. face in the shirt thing when he's really, really frustrated, which he does just after we've given the ball away for a goal, or just after he's missed a chance. He knows he should do better. Like it's a, a decent rest. You know, there's no international football this this summer, right? Um, so a decent rest this summer, um, and some proper reinforcement in the midfield, or some proper strategizing for a way to play Nunez and make him look like the player we signed. Then, then yeah, and of course I'm all in for that, but. I think you're right that he is going to. He's probably going to go and find another offer. We might get lucky that the right club might not be on the lookout for someone at his stage of his career, because there, he isn't going to have the same number of opportunities in terms of clubs he would go to as even three years ago, because he needs, you know, he needs someone who wants to add a striker to their. Um, to their mix who are going to be in either a league where he would immediately be a first choice goal scorer. And there's not that many top flight leagues that that where he's going to be good enough to to kind of go in straight as a, as a scoring striker. Will he want to go someone who's fighting relegation and probably not get much service either? Probably not either. So you're probably looking at one of the Scandinavian leagues where one of the bigger teams can bring him in and he knows he's going to be part of the two and he's going to get lots of goals. Um, so it, it may well be that... that if he was going to go, it's April. Would we have heard a rumor already? You know, would, would you know? Would especially with agents, would we not have already heard sort of Pookie linked with a move to Malmo? Pookie li- linked with a move to Young Boys? Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that would have already happened if, yeah, yeah. There, was an obvi- if there was an obvious person who was going to retire at the end of the season and they needed a replacement. I don't know if we would have already heard some whispers on that front. The noises that he's made like, publicly are: let's get to the summer and then I'll have a think about it. Like, I don't even want to contemplate plate my future and that that's you know when he's directly been asked that at finished press conferences about his future and if there's been rumors swirling around he's always couched it in those terms that's because he's a gentleman yeah I can he say is that's an absolute gen and respect to yeah. marriage isn't it and that that's that's the you know speaks to the class of the man and um that's why i want him here for three more years well i, I hope i hope we get it i mean i, I do hope we get it the, the unselfish perfect you know the the, what I want is I want to have every last little drop of energy the man has to be in, to be in a Norwich shirt because I I and it goes back to the pod we did specifically about recruitment a couple of months ago. I don't currently have faith that we would strike lucky with who the new person is because you can't go yeah. into you simply can't tell me that we're going to go into a championship season with Sargent or Eder as the number one striker and you can't tell me that we're going to go into a season with those two as well between the two of them that's enough. We're not scoring 35 goals between those two no. next season. Um, now, either one of them could become Norwich City legends and, and, and 
but you can't bank on that because it would be a surprise if either of them did it, right? You can't. So I don't know. I I've, think Josh Sargent potentially could because when he was playing as the lone striker, he was banging the goals in, and then it was an issue because you know Puki became fit again, and then you can't mm. not play Timu because he's Timu. I think that is the problem. If if Timu wasn't Timu, then I think Sargent would probably be our number one striker. But I think we would put- still be playing this formation that doesn't fit the players. Well, no, but I do think that Josh Josh could I can't say his name Josh Sargent could um could bang a lot more goals in than he has done this season because he did show that early on that he was capable of doing that when he plays as the striker and the only okay. striker. So, is there one other area, Claire, other than strikers and forward positions that you there's anything you want to see last seven games before well, you go to kind of make your decision? Midfielder would be. A dream, wouldn't it? What's one of them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. A dream. <laughs> the <lesser spotted laughs> it's, a dream. <laughs> it's a dream. I, I hear that Alex Tetty's available still. That's yeah, seven right. today, isn't he? Yeah, that'll do. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we. Uh, I, I don't know if maybe that's our, our curse of of the mm. joy that we had in that short period of time. Maybe our penance for the for the kind of the rest of our Norwich City lives is that we're never going to have it. There will never be a defensive midfielder who can stay fit in a Norwich shirt. They're cursed. Yeah, we're, we're cur- that's sort of like a cursed position. Yeah. Um, oh, we had a season of Ollie skip, didn't we? And that was he got injured in the last game, game, didn't he? Oh yeah, yeah he did. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. didn't play the last yeah, game. Great shout. Yeah, he was in the boot then. for the celebrations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, mm. well, uh, Kenny was in the boot for the celebrations, wasn't he? For, or he not, That's not going to stop Kenny, bless him. He was him. on crutches, no, I didn't. <laughs> um, right, before we go to listener questions, um, there is a game coming up that uh, we would like to make sure everyone is aware of. Is that not right, John? That is right, yeah. I mean, we haven't talked about it, and I think we should talk about it, purely because we've been massive advocates of the, the Norwich City women's team. And there is a huge game coming up at Carrow Road, it is massive. They've sold 5,000 seats already. From what I'm told, they've nearly sold 6,000 seats. I I mean, I was there on Sunday, and actually it was really nice to see that there was significant support up at the Nest. They play a wonderful brand of football. They play a brand of progressive passing football out from the back with creative players and pacey wingers. And I was like, oh, this all feels a little bit farkable and lovely to watch. And I just think... Look, the more people get behind that team, the more eyes are put on them, the more exposure that they're provided, the more it will bring sponsorship into the club, the more it will bring revenue into that team, and it, the more it will allow them to become self, you know, kind of self-sustainable. And that's what we want. And I, th- you know, look, we can petition the club to start spending like you know a million, two million pounds on the women's setup each season. Isn't simply not going to happen. That's the kind of thing that you know, would typically, I think a bigger club would do to make sure that their team, parish, um, you know, propels up the pyramid. We're not going to do that. So let's get behind them. Let's get sponsorship into them. But actually, just just go and give them your support because I, I can tell you from speaking to people around it, it's really important to those players that are going to be playing on the 16th of April and it will be a brilliant occasion. We will be there doing some flags, I would imagine. We will, you know, kind of get behind them as much as we can. But I just think... It's it's so important that we show support to a team that's had a really good season as well, and a team that deserves, um, you know, a Carroll Road match. They're going to get two now because they've got a cup final to play in as well. But the more people go, the more likely it is that it will happen with more regularity. So 
get yourself down there. I don't think they're going to open another stand. I think they will just continue to sell the River End out. So there's probably, I reckon, there's probably only a few hundred seats left. But don't delay, is what I would say. It might be the uh, might be the best performance at Carra Road in this running. It's the match that I've enjoyed most this season attending was a 3-2 win for the women's team at the Nest. It was absolutely brilliant. Like really enthralling. Yep. Yeah. See you there. Um, and now it's time for listener questions. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. Where should we begin? We have Matthew McGregor on Twitter. And I look at this every week, this situation. Um, Claire, we'll start with you. How nervous does the idea of Derby Days returning to Carra Road next season make you? And can you guarantee what the results of each game will be? It makes me feel physically sick. And they will, <laughs> without question, win at least one of them. So, yeah, that's how much I'm looking forward to it. Oh, come on, Plymouth, and come on, Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, I think they'll blow the playoffs if if they don't get automatic. Well, that's what I'm convincing myself that that will happen. But yeah, I'm kind of of a similar mindset that football, oh God, I've said this a lot, but football is cyclical and they will have their time in the sun again. And maybe it's coming because, and I think maybe Weber was doing this in a recent, I don't know if anyone listened to the most recent Training Ground Guru podcast with Stuart Weber when he was on there. He was effusive in his praise of Kieran McKenna. And I just thought, are you trolling our fan base again there? But, you know, he he really was and really seemed to rate him as a coach. And I think they've got a good thing going. I think they've poached a lot of people from Norwich City Football Club as well, which is, you know, kind of a slight worry. Yeah, have behind the scenes, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I really feel like they've got their act together now and they're doing some really good stuff in the community. And actually their women's team is absolutely smashing it. Um, at the moment as well I think they were about seven or eight games unbeaten it just feels like they're on the up and we have we haven't even we are yeah stalled that's the right way Thomas what do you think they're not coming up um so uh they they aren't they're not gonna they're not gonna go up automatically um and they are gonna lose in the playoffs and uh you know it's a shame for them but they can go again next season we we won't be I think they will come up automatically. And the reason I say that is that there is too much muscle memory from Sheffield Wednesday in terms of fucking up. And I think they will screw it. And my mate is a huge Wednesday fan and he's like, we haven't got the stomach for this. Like we we won't, we won't do it. I very much hope he is wrong, but we shall see. Right. Anyway, next we have Elizabeth Coldwell who says is it just me or is anyone finding it difficult to muster any enthusiasm whatsoever to think of any more questions about this season and I guess Tom that speaks of a complete like what you were saying earlier it's completely mad to me that we are four points off the playoffs and could easily with a fair wind just sneak in and then do something a la 2001-2002 when we got to Cardiff um, and we just Someone said to me the other day, it's four points, but it feels like 400 points. Yeah. I mean, it feel, it almost feels like like instead of seven games left, there's 700 games left. I just can't believe the season still hasn't over. It just feels like it's gone on for ages. Um, I mean, look at the look at the running order of the, the pod. You know, we, we, uh, we're all, we've got a few games left, but we're already starting to talk about how we make changes for, for next season. And it's not all how we're going to cope in the Premier League or whatever. It's not because we know we've got someone retiring we're you know manufacturing situations where we think we need to make changes you shouldn't be chasing promotion and talking about how you need to change and improve the squad right like that that is 
that is not the mindset you're supposed to be in as a football fan when you're following a team who are, in theory, inverted commas, battling for promotion. I mean, obviously, Wagner has to keep, whilst it's so mathematically within reach, I mean, insanely so, like two games, like, you know, we can, we can, we need to do two, two results need to go our way versus one of the, the kind of the two people in that position. Five of them, we can match the results. So we're not exactly talking like we need title winning form even necessarily because no one seems to be able to string to no one beneath kind of well no no one beneath Burnley seems to be able to string together three wins at the moment so you know it's it's a whole mixture of kind of greys and reds in the form table do you know um, what though I, I, I mean I know I, everyone's moaning about this yeah, season yeah. but um I just look back at the points tally under Daniel Farker's first season and we had 57 points which is what we've got now after 45 games mm. in that first Daniel Farker season so we, we weren't were nearly we this, were we the like this then <laughs> were we all no, sitting it, around being we mare were, and moany then we were we were before that Tom was before, Tom definitely was nah, come on, before, I remember it well before that scum game they were two managers under pressure like you know before, when we went away to scum we were both either both in the bottom three or both in the bottom four we both started the season really really badly um, yeah, October, November time, it was pretty doomy and gloomy. And then obviously everything started to, 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 you started to see green shoots of some kind of plan, some kind of progress, but there were things, there was things on the report card that we wanted to see improvement in the following season in order to fully buy in. I like, mean, you know, obviously I was much slower to, to buy into the, the project than others, but the, the, the problem with this season is there's, I think we have been hurt by injuries at just the wrong times. I do think that that has played a part in maybe the songs being written, the songs being sung. Sarah is probably the only person who's hit form and then not had an injury quite soon afterwards. Yeah, and he's got a good true. song. That is you true. know, like a lot of we have always so, had that curse for quite a couple a couple of seasons now, where yeah, someone I mean, hits form and then immediately gets injured. Well, look, like, what better example than Hernandez and, yeah. and Dowell? Wagner manages to get this new manager bounce and literally the two players who, we you know, we recorded a podcast saying that they're like night and day who they were, what they were like before he came in. What hasn't he done a great job getting a tune out of them? And then all of a sudden they're not available for nearly all of the running. So I, I do feel that we have been unfortunate with, with timing of injuries this year. And and that that has played a part in the fact that it never has felt like we've built up any momentum, really. The lot, you know, it has felt like having to constantly, almost try and reinvent ourselves, or almost constantly trying to start going on a run. Um, Millwall yeah. felt like we, I mean, we'd had what three or four results yeah. in succession at that point. It felt like right, we've cracked it, and and it like we we talked after that pod. There, no one was saying, look, we're going to fall out of the top six. It was all just, well, we're going to make the playoffs and we'll That's probably storm so Wembley and it'll be now. fine. Yeah. yeah. And it's all fallen apart in four games because of two players getting injured. And that is how threadbare our squad is in terms of attacking options. Which kind of leads into the next and last question from Johnny R on Twitter, who asks, will either Pookie or Norwich realistically be able to do better than extend the contract by another season? Which I think we've talked about. I think... I think he can do better, um, but we'll see. But his other question is, could we convert Liam Gibbs into a number 10 to play in behind Pookies, given the intricate through ball service that he's been cruelly deprived of in the current system? I don't I don't, I don't see that enough of him as an attacking that, outlet. I don't think he's good enough on the ball in that kind of way. I think he's a really tidy player who hasn't had anything yeah. like the number of minutes we would have liked for his development this season. 
And I think that the way that we set up means that Sarah and McLean are just way better at what he would be asked to do were he to be in this current setup. So he hasn't had the chance to develop the way that maybe he would have liked. He certainly has shown promise. I, I, I honestly think that we have in the squad the, the, the people to play that type of through ball. Um, it's Sarah and it's Nunez and it's basically your or, or Dowell um, and it's your job, Mr. Wagner, next season to find a way to get one of those three players in the right position regularly enough to play that ball through. All three of them. Just go nuts like that season where we had Buendia. No, but we but we have played in that way. We had Buendia, Dowell and Cantwell all started regularly towards the back end of the 2021 campaign. But seven past Huddersfield, didn't we, with that kind of Exactly. And Dowell, I think Dowell came on and like then scored twice. No, he started. Game. He started. Oh, yes, and, um, so, but, but we, Claire, we, can we convert Gibbs into a number 10? That was the question. Um, no, and like you guys said, I don't think we need to because we've got other players that would do it better. So... Well, we no. might need we might need Gibbs to be CDM next year because exactly. we're going to have to sell Sarah to have any chance of of, of buying extra players. Because oh, yeah, we're going to have to do the pod ruined. soon. Where who do we sell? Fucking hell! Well, who right. I mean, <laughs> if, if, we, if we don't get the only people we're going the only chance we've got of buying players, unless there is something in the investment that Michael Bailey says there isn't. If you listen to the previous pod, where I where you know I was hoping he was going to say, well, yeah, no, there is an outside chance that. Um, you know he pumps some money in, but you know according to Bailey, what what this ownership group do is they pump money into the facilities and the surroundings yeah. and the environment. So I feel like we've been hearing for the last five or six years without them. But anyway, um, look at our lovely veg packs. Look at our lovely swimming pool. Um, but six million pounds swimming pool. Look, let's not forget. Anyway, th- that's another team in contract. But if we I, have- I, and I'm not necessarily against us investing in the infrastructure like that it's just i am it, when you've got six million pound swimming pool that's coming up at the same time as mm, we probably need a bit of money for players at the moment it's, you, it's a hard sell isn't yeah, it yeah no it's, it, it shouldn't even be mentioned the his whole point was he doesn't think that there is going to be um investment in the playing squad from in that sort of lump sum way mm. so the only way therefore we can survive is selling the only assets we think we would get enough money to make it stomachable to lose Aaron's is an example of if there is a Premier League team looking to strengthen, or you know, European team looking to strengthen that area. He's one where you go. I would love to see you reach the heights of your career at Norwich. However, I do think your ceiling is Champions League football. I, I do still think he's got that ability to in, in him. He would need coaching. He would need time to get there. But I think he's good enough to do it. England under twenty ones keep picking him. Um, I think we could get a decent enough money sum of money for him that as painful as it would be to see him go we think you know, you've been a phenomenal servant to us and we think you could hit heights thanks for the money it'll help us rebuild the squad Sarah is probably then the next name unless you can think of one who would I mean who, who is our next most saleable asset after Aaron's it's got to be Sarah surely I mean he's basically the only guy in form apart from Gunn I don't want to sell him hmm. and I don't think you'd get as much for Gunn as you'd get for Sarah probably is Angus you're right He'll so be I, the next I, most you know, saleable asset. I think you, I think, I think you almost have to try and whip up a bidding frenzy for those two, um, and then find a way of of building a squad around Nunez, and and that also makes but, it tricky for the Pookie ne- contract negotiations because you're yeah. then saying, okay, so the, the the best the best midfielder is being sold. Um, you know, we want to give you three years. Yeah, but... you, want, you, you know, you might have to pass to yourself. Can you take corners and then run into the <laughs> into the box and nod them in? You know, I I I think that is, I think that's the summer that we're looking at, unless oh, un- unless we do hell. somehow stumble into the playoffs and somehow 
you know, all of Middlesbrough get food poisoning the night before Wembley. Like, unless something like that happens. Or their coach turns up late. Well, what, two hours late? I mean, well, no, even then that would be enough, three hours late. I, I just, I can't, I can't see how it is it, going to happen. But then as we've talked about, and we'll, we'll do a whole podcast this at the end of the season, I think that there will be, I think the, the Atanasio contingent will experience how quickly they can fall out of favour with Norwich fans if it gets halfway through the summer and it turns out that they're spending money on swimming pools and veg patches and not putting money in the squad. And I, and I, and I, I just think for, that for is, balance, I don't think we've spent that much on the veg patch, mate. No, but I, I think the, 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 I think the point is that, that I, yeah. I personally will, and, and I don't think I'm quite at the visceral, most unfair end of the, the spectrum. I'm far more, you know, unhinged than you are, punk, but there are far less logical and reason, reasonable fans than me and I will be furious if we finally have someone who in theory has got money that's got a massive stake in our club and they are not helping us through a financial issue with the with the playing squad to, to equip to go again I'll but be I think... furious and I'm not the sort of person who writes on bedsheets however there are the people who do write on bedsheets if they were cross with Delia think how cross they're going to be with someone who actually has got billions and isn't spending it but I think that's where the venom will be aimed at the people running the club rather than the people investing in the club. Because I, I think, look, we they are about to pump a load of money in the football club, all right, in return for um, a massive, you know, probably like 20% stakeholding in the club. So they are going to become, if not the biggest shareholder at the club, you know, kind of pretty much equal with Delia and Michael in terms of, of, of their share. That I think that the the way in which that money is spent I think is up to Stuart Webber, is up to Zoe Webber, is up to Sam Jeffrey, you know, and whoever else we've got running our football club. I, I I think that the the strength and the weakness of the football club, as I have said many times on this podcast, is that we implicitly trust who we choose to run it without as much scrutiny maybe as we would have all have liked. And and I think that sometimes is the failing of the board collectively to maybe not hold them to account because they're they're trusting football people or who they think are football people to run the club and so if if Stuart Webber or Zoe Webber or whoever decides that you know with this extra let's just say it's 45 million quid you know for example number you know finger in the air job if they say we want to spend that in on our academy and the Carra Road master plan to make sure that we have you know 35k um stadia I think they'll go with that because they will think that's the, you know, the best thing that's chosen by the best people that they've got to run the best football club ever. I'd like to see the like to see them explain the business plan of of two two three years removed from parachute money. How oh, many, I agree. How mate. many season ticket renewals they think there will be if they if they are serving up dross because they the, the playing staff has has dropped so much in quality um you know it's there's no there's no parachute payments there's no premier league money there's no big tv money there's going to be another set of teams coming down who are going to get a lot of the sky featured games and um, wagner's worked wonders with in in partnership with weber before so so this you would imagine you basically got you know this is his first window of, of the the w and w fragmentation together um working on, on on bringing in players you know they they'll there'll be a level of confidence that they should be able to pull together a squad. But if they financially are having to sell in order to buy, 
I don't know. It's a big. This season has been such a stuttering um, misfire, series of good performances followed by three bad ones, that I almost feel like confidence is so low in what this squad can achieve together. It's it's going to be a really big sales job to try and get us bought in again for for this for this upcoming next season. Um, but a lot of that might be, and this is why I asked a question around what might happen in the next seven games. Look, it is possible. It's in the realms of possibility because we have sort of seen it um, that we could win five of the last seven, four of the last seven, and whether or not that is enough to to finish in the playoffs or not based on other people's results because it's not in our hands. If we did get, you know, if we let's say we go unbeaten, but in like a good way, not in the recent shit draws way. If we go unbeaten for five of the last seven and actually finish with a bit of momentum where we just miss out on the playoffs, I feel that narrative is much more positive going into the season because you can go, well, if only we'd have got Wagner sooner and he can say, look, I didn't quite get the way I wanted to go, but we know we, you know, I love that we had the hunting mentality and we averaged two points a game nearly and we didn't quite blah blah blah. Then, you know, that's different. But I just feel like as much as we keep saying it, the the the, the issue is we, we keep turning out these turgid performances where you can't see where the goals are coming and you can't see why you would get on the edge of your seat and you feel like you're there out of habit rather than belief that something special is happening and I I don't know if you can manufacture that without signings I don't know if you can take us from where we are like without the games to play so the games can do it you know we can finish in a way that gives us performances that sends us into the off-season feeling really comfortable about where we're at but if we don't do it through performances and, and I don't trust this team to do it on performances that can only come from an influx of, you know, either great news on we, we retain Pookie and here's the guy that's going to do the, the setting up or here's the person who's going to strengthen that defence or here's the winger that's actually in the mould of Wagner and, and the way he wants to have a winger. So there you go, the other side of Hernandez and that means that um, Ida and Sargent are always going to be two up to whatever. No, I, I don't think if we're, if we're told there's not a big money signing or two, can't, can't see what is getting us excited in August. Plus the fact, I think you did, you touched on earlier, it is concerning the type of teams that will be joining us in the championship yeah. are going to be huge clubs by the look of it. You know, it could be Everton, mm. it could be Leicester, it could probably be Southampton. They are big hitters. They're going to have a lot of money. Yeah. They're going to get the TV games, like you said. You know, we're going to have to really go it next season to, to get anywhere, let alone mm. the fact that we're going to probably struggle in the first place so yeah that's another factor that is a concerning one well that's kind of my point from the business plan point of view if you're making the case if you're making the case that this is where we should spend the money no we need to spend the money trying to get out of the premier league and and yes sorry get out getting into the premier league and i guess yeah, we do quite well at getting out of the premier league mate. yeah we're excellent i think i think you setting the club up to be good after we're gone, etc. Shall I say this? Yeah, I'll say this. I think that is a cowardly thing to say. And the reason I say that is, whilst it's an honourable thing to say, it almost excuses you for bad performance in the things that matter on the pitch. Because if you say, my most important thing is setting this club up to be in really good, stable environment going ahead of course I want that I want my grandchildren to have a football club to go and support that have got a similar culture to some of the best Norwich City family cultures that we've had of course I want that that is really important but 
if you tip the balance too much that, that th- this is where if we get a big influx of investment that's where it needs to go part of me thinks that's something you can then hide behind because you can then say well we didn't say we were going to invest in the squad and we didn't have the money to, to to really go at it in the transfer window because we were focused so much on legacy well it's well, not easy club- to build a legacy if you're in the premier league I think the club and Stuart Weber in particular wants a recruitment model that is self-sustaining. I think that's where he's at, and that's why you know, kind of, we've looked, we've dipped into markets in South America. We previously dipped into markets in Europe where they saw that there was value. I think they are big believers in you know that that model where you're going to pluck players and they've got high windows, and we've got you know you, the coaches that we employ are able to to add that value to them. And that's why I think we might go in that direction. I don't. I don't think it's cowardly. I think it's admirable. I think it's it's completely where I'd want people running my football club to be. That they set them up to, you know, so that the football club is here in twenty five years. So I kind of disagree with you on on that point. But I see the logic that yeah, if we've got a load of cash, why aren't we spending it on players? I think there has to be a balance now, and I think that the club has tried to strike that balance, maybe with the the likes of Sarah and Rashica and Sargent. So we've started to take that kind of step into more sizable transfer fees, but we've just got to do better at it because there's so many failures for one or two really good ones that, that we've signed. And I think that's where the football club has gone wrong significantly over the last two, three seasons. We've spent big money on players that with the exception of Sarah, we we don't see any value from. You can't sell them on really now, can you, for any kind of profit? And that's a fa- that is a failure. That's a massive failure. Yeah, and and, and I guess it's. I mean, cowardly is a a motive term, but I guess that's kind of. It's, it's almost. I find it impossible to to take that mindset of wanting to. If we get a big investment in money, we want to we want to really drum up how much we're leaving for the people that come after us. I don't think, look, let's be frank, I don't think Stuart Weber is the kind of guy who's scared of taking a risk when it comes to a transfer strategy. Well, I no, think it's just... I'm jealous. It's, exactly. It, it, but it is about upscaling his recruitment strategy from when we got all the Germans, so many Germans, in, mm. and then making that a bit more fit for purpose for championship going into the Premier League. I think that's where I want us to be. Can okay. I just say one bit of infrastructure I would like them to spend some money on is the leak, the leak in the upper Barclay roof that was dripping on my head for the entire game, like some sort of water torture, which it was okay. bad Can enough you tell watching me... the game, let alone with a on my head. As a person that has thought about moving his season ticket to the upper Barclay next season, could you just offline just tell me exactly where you sit so I'm not sit in line subject to this with leak? The, 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 the seam of the roof, that's exactly okay. where I sit. It's the join oh, of the roof. Like the headline, Atanasio's to pump 15 million into football club and, and then like in the small print, they're fixing leaks. We fixed yeah. the leak, lads. Get in. That's all I care about. Right. Let's have some guarantees then. <laughs> Let's have some guarantees um, Claire, what is the score going to be in this massive playoff crunch match against Blackburn? I cannot see us winning. So I'm going to say, or scoring, frankly, 2-0 to Blackburn. Sorry. Okay. I mean, it's 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 as six-pointery a promotion game as you can kind of get because we are, you know, we are literally then one yeah. point off sixth place if we win it. Um, punt. So you say we're going to draw. Punt. Uh, sorry, lose. Punt. Lose. 
So I well, this is from a man who thought we were going to draw with Sheffield United, but I really, for some unknown reason, I really fancy us against Blackburn uh, because I've seen nothing of them to have any kind of fear about this season, even though they've beaten us twice. I think <laughs> I Marcelino Nunez, Marcelino Nunez is going to um, rise from the treatment table, playing a number ten, feed Pookie, and we are going to win three one, okay. and then we'll fuck up after that. But, well, you know, look, it's it's very Norwich, it's very on-brand Norwich to just go, right, we'll give you a little bit of hope again and then we'll take it away from you. Well, they lost to they lost to Birmingham and they lost to Stoke, uh, who I thought were uh, abysmal. Um, and so on that basis, I think we are going to win 3-1 and have to do another one on the podcast where we go, uh, what is this team? <laughs> I think we played really well and we really, right. really battled. And, that would uh, be yeah, very 3-1 win, uh, Pookie, two goals. And I feel like a win with Pookie scoring. And three more seasons from Timu. <laughs> uh, make uh, the 100. I, sign a contract. If, if, I feel like a, a, a win with a, a win. This is this is potentially. Uh, this is potentially the most, in a positive way, mate. Well done. This, this might be the most unbalanced <laughs> we've ever been in terms of Jack and Hyde. But <laughs> let, let me let me hypothesise that a win with a pookie brace could be such an unbelievable catalyst for the run-in. Because yeah, if we would. fix if we fix the feeling that actually we've got the weapon that we know we've got in Pookie and he scores two, one one's not enough. One and one and some really, really good chances with for Pookie specifically, that's only because of the brilliant goalkeeping that stopped him doing it. That would count as well. But two goals for Pookie and a win to move us to one point behind them. <laughs> then it's back on lads then it's back on to, then, then I'm starting to look what at the your view team? from my seat uh, view from my seat from, from Wembley to start plotting our, our, our route there and we go yeah we could, we, we could definitely we definitely want to finish fifth though because I, I fancy it's more against Luton than, than Borough we can do it right on to good Friday it's going to be a great Friday we're going to win Pookie's going to start scoring again on the ball city mind how you go 